Jason, tell me about NFTs. What do you got, brother? <laughs> oh, my God. I have so many things to tell you. I'm now a wrestler. <laughs> this is the Weekly Link, where each week, Jason Brenizer, that's me, and Mark Cruz, my business partner, share what grabbed our attention, what slapped us across the face, what bowled us over, and what made us pause and rethink our assumptions in the world of blockchain and all things on the road to Web3. Now sometimes you'll hear us talk about the Phenomenal Future Project and Blockmark, two aligned long-term projects we have going on, and Samato, our first gamified art series, which all play in the NFT and smart contract arena. And along the way, you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at our triumphs and our struggles as we explore this new decentralized world of opportunity. Now, I like to say that there's an infinite onion to peel, but we've got the passion and perseverance to take it one layer at a time. Welcome to the Weekly Link. I got caught up. There were a couple of videos that I had um, I'd been having trouble with the streaming, so I didn't record directly to YouTube. And I've also noticed that YouTube, um, I seem to get more views when I upload stuff as opposed to go live streaming mm. on YouTube. Oh, so I'm going to, I think from now on, I will stream to Facebook and record at the same time. And then mm. I will bring that into, you know, the editing software and just, you know, add the little subscribe now buttons and those kinds of things, mm. um, which I just started to. So I got little, little snippets of video to be able to pop that on top of uh, what I've recorded. Nice. So, uh, there will be a point where I'm going to hire some editor from the Philippines or something mm -hmm. <laughs> to, uh, to really take it up a notch, you know, someone who's doing that all day long and, and can just, you know, knock that stuff out. But um, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the meantime, you got, you have the power. You have the, I have the power. It's like I'm He-Man and, <laughs> you know, there's uh what was that did you ever watch that cartoon or are you too young for by that? the power of zoomcast <laughs> yes, exactly you got by it. the power <laughs> of youtube <laughs> <clears throat> yeah no i watched he-man i had he-man uh action figures when i was a kid okay yeah the whole by the power of i have the power never understood yep. it's like can you have written something a little bit better like power in the same sentence twice mm -hmm. what uh, but whatever kids, I mean, I noticed that as a kid, I guess maybe other kids didn't care so much. <laughs> I'm like critiquing the writing and I'm you know, uh, nine years, years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Working, working through it. Um, I noticed your, not your last, it's like your two, two or three videos ago, the, the hook was, was really good. It, it reminded me of so many other YouTube video things I've seen. It was the hate your job. Don't do this one thing. Ah. <laughs> okay, good. It caught your attention. I'm, I've been working very hard on on titles that are not quite so um, direct mm -hmm. and, yeah. and are more about open loops and, and kind of pattern interrupt and all of that. So yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate the it feedback. Eye catching. Yeah. yeah. I'm also trying to make the. Um, uh, the, the, the covers for the videos. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, less busy and just mm -hmm. more like you scan it and you kind of, again, pattern interrupt something that's like, what? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Huh. Interesting. I'll click on that. Yeah. Oh, I got to see. <laughs> I got to see what that is. I got to see what what this and this guy says about that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I also got the first podcast episode up on Substack. Oh wow! Nice. Wait. So you're on Substack also? That's active. Yes. Uh huh. As phenomenal future project. All right. So NFT WTF. So many acronyms, but don't be afraid. All right. Cool. I don't know if I'm going to be doing exactly the same shorts content to TikTok versus YouTube. I don't mm-hmm. really know um, right now. Maybe just for the interest of getting stuff out. But and if we're to follow Gary V's advice, mm-hmm. then I need to be posting shorts four times a day. And wow. yeah, and that means um, probably recording something that's a little bit longer form knowing that I will try to figure out a way to chop it into four things. Yeah. Nice. I'll almost make little stories that will cascade throughout, throughout a day. I think is kind of what my initial, my initial tactic will be, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Awesome. So then the key is that at, at four different intervals on our Monday meeting, you need to have something like, uh, Jason, tell me about NFTs. What do you got, brother? <laughs> oh my God. I have so many things to tell you. I'm now a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, wrestling like NFTs little... would be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, they're doing the, was it the top shots or the, the, yeah, NBA clips? Yeah. Yeah. That that's, a, the... that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, I have to say this, I'm getting a little, <clears throat> trying not to get overwhelmed. I'm getting a little overwhelmed about all of the possibilities, of course, you know, on on where content can go, of course. And mm. not just putting the same content on every platform, mm-hmm. you know, really, really thinking about what each one has to offer and what the audiences prefer mm. uh, in those uh, different arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still... Try not to let the overwhelm get to me. It's like, mm. no, I'm just going to keep creating. And yeah. um, uh, eventually we'll figure out, we'll have enough We'll have enough statistics to really say, oh, yeah, those really aren't working well. Let's stop doing that stuff over here. Yeah, yeah. Have a good feel for, for what's a good fit between the audience, what they want, and also you and what you want to make, right? <clears throat> a, there has to be alignment there. Yeah. I bet you anything, you know, obviously we, we're, we, we talk about helping artists in this whole arena, but there are a lot of different artist types. So do painters hang out on the same social media as music producers or are authors on some other platform, more like medium or something like that, where it's, it's a written platform as opposed to watching video uh, or podcast, something mm-hmm. like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, back to tracking the stats, looking at the statistics. That's good. That's good to catch yourself though. Right. Yeah. I got to ask you. Yeah. Tell me about NFTs. Tell me about NFTs. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) Which ones are the whales buying? (laughs) (laughs) What is the Moby Dick of NFTs? (laughs) Oh man. Um, 
that's that there's there's a lot of opportunity with nfts i mean look at that you could do a whole series of moby dick characters you could have different whales you could have mm -hmm. you could you know ishmael of course mm -hmm, of course <laughs> Cap captain ahab i mean in mm -hmm. so many different situations mm -hmm. there you go that would be really strange yeah. Um, to take somebody else's original IP that's obviously in the public domain and create NFTs out of that. Mm -hmm. Why not? Right. It's kind of a ready-made, you know, um, uh, audience that yeah. might love, you know, really old stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of those where I, I, I believe that there's kind of two cat, maybe there's more than two, but I'm going to call it two categories. There's, uh, the category of, Oh, someone's just, churning out something that's old to make a buck. But then there's, and obviously there's a lot of negative connotation there, but then there's, if you love that book and you love that story and you love that, and you have such a uh, respect and appreciation for it, I think there's an opportunity to take that, that public domain old IP and, and make it relevant and, and bring it to the, uh, the current discourse, the current dialogue, the current people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think if the project is approached with respect, then there's an opportunity to do that really well. And the beautiful thing about your uh, your your focus on NFTs and the beautiful thing about this whole idea of audience building is the individual that has that love and respect for the NF or for the for the content and makes NFTs of Ahab and Ishmael and and the various characters of Moby Dick. Um, their audience is going to know it. It's yeah, going to, it's going to come through. It's going to, there's, there's going to be a, a huge cascading difference, a felt sense difference <clears throat> of the individual that's, that's recycling versus the individual that really uh, loves their, loves the content and, and engages with their audience. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about this the other day. Um, uh, Michelle downloaded, um, a new, a new Sherlock Holmes book. Mm. Okay. So it too is in the public domain. So pretty much anybody can take those characters and write novels in that, in that arena mm. and people are doing it. And there's a lot of success happening uh, in that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to really find out like, I mean, maybe Moby Dick's not the answer, right? <laughs> That's yeah, probably yeah. a good standalone book, but there are probably plenty of others that, people would love to see like a tangential character, you know, in one mm -hmm. of those uh, Jane Austen books or something like that. And to, mm -hmm. and to kind of follow, follow what their life was all about. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of just extend the world, but not all artists will want to do that. Some, some of them will want to create their own, of course, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> but it might be one oh, yeah. way to That's get traction. You know, there are plenty of authors, I think, uh, James Patterson's a good example, right? He's he writes the Alex Cross books and a, a lot of others. He's a super fast writer, one of the best um, selling authors in the world for fiction. Mm. And I'd say in the last ten years, he's actually partnered with a whole bunch of up and coming writers. Where he'll come up with the concept of the book, they'll go off and write it for the most part, and he'll yeah. come back and kind of put his finishing touches on it and maybe change it to his voice and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. they are both listed on the book. And mm. this is one way for up and coming authors to, to leverage his audience. You know, if they yeah. like, they like their 
combo writing, they might also like that author's, you know, new, new works. It's mm-hmm. one way to get a leg up. And I can see that, that kind of opportunity for a lot of artists as well. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, the, the team effort. <laughs> it's, yeah. why, it's why rap stars totally, you know, combine or different musicians, you know, are, it's like, why did those people collaborate? Mm. It's because they want to introduce each other to each other's audiences and, and go mm. that much bigger. Yeah. That's yeah. a smart move. You know, tie yourself to a, a speedboat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 And hope you don't, uh, you don't just get uh, dragged into the drink. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be able to keep up. You got, got to work those water skis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I suppose with the ability to, in this case, reference said material uh, via Ethernet address or via smart contract token address, uh, there's an opportunity to do that building within the within the the NFT community as well, or within the blockchain community, really, mm-hmm. uh, because smart contracts can be referenced because they're all visible right. on this on this global transparent ledger. Uh, there's an opportunity to do those types of collaborations with things that already exist on the blockchain uh, just by doing a contract address reference, which is exciting. Thanks. And in that case, you you don't actually have to ask for permissions. Uh, that's a good question. I guess it depends on the licensing and where you live and and all of that. Because there's the, there's the contract address, which, um, well, I guess actually the functions on it may or may not be whitelisted, which means you may or may not have access to execute them. But you can look at them. You can look at the contract. You can look at what's going yeah. on, and then you can make your own um, your own uh, permutations. Uh, what uh, subject to the terms of the the license of the the intellectual property, right? Right. Yeah, I think a, a simple way to kind of participate with an existing NFT series in that way would basically say, oh, all of the people who happen to own NFTs over here, let's say, uh, you know, V friends or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, might get an airdrop of the of the series that you're putting out and it's a, that simple it's just checking the chain oh who are the mm. holders of these things and they automatically get to per- participate in yours so it tie you to you know a definitely a raving fan base mm-hmm. yeah maybe you get some traction or maybe it's a maybe it's not all of the holders but you know, mm-hmm. a random selection or something like that yeah um, yeah. um I don't know if the V friends people would particularly like that, but again, I don't think they'd have control (laughs) over that kind of participation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you can, you can airdrop or send into a wallet without, um, without permission, but people will usually have to accept. Do they have to accept? No, I don't think they even have to accept it. That would be interesting. What if, what could you write an NFT contract almost like a Trojan horse and mm-hmm. that the code of the contract could fuss with your wallet if it, you get airdropped this thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think that's been done. But the thing is, the code isn't executed on airdrop. The code is executed on then you interacting with that contract. So then calling any functions against that, that contract. 
that's mm. something that's something to look into, especially since the whole idea of of, of airdropping is uh, really useful. I forget about airdropping to people that that bought into another project. Airdropping to people that bought into your project, right? Yeah. Right. Being able to continually engage with your audience by airdropping stuff to there uh, mm. to those that have already bought into your project. Um, yeah, my understanding is uh, if it's uh, if it's an asset, it shows up and if there's any nefarious code in there it doesn't execute unless you try and unless you try and execute a contract function hmm. that's that's definitely something we'll have to look into because obviously someone's thought of that as a problem already i just haven't read about it yeah it just kind of dawned on me right now <clears throat> yeah but i can't imagine we're the first <laughs> to think of that yeah no no fortunately not far enough down the line a lot of this has been tread before. Very good. Uh, aside from that, what else? Um, yeah, I mean, I did the uh, from the weekly weekly roll up. I did some digging into Tornado Cash just to understand what was going on there, uh, and then yeah, and then uh, did some poking around on. I've been trying to yeah get everything set up to do some Polygon Dev. So uh, I've got uh, Matic. I've got uh, I connected to the Mumbai test network, and I have. I got Matic from the public faucet. So I don't know if you're familiar with the faucet. Nope. So, Tell me about the faucet. <laughs> so there's this amazing thing uh, that, uh, that many of the blockchains do. Um, I'm just going to stay focused on Ethereum. So Ethereum and Polygon both, their entire um, network is distributed worldwide, right? Uh, but if you want to put anything on the network, it costs you money. It costs you, let's use, uh, since we're on Polygon, I'll use Polygon. So if you want to put a, con a smart contract on Polygon, uh, then you got to pay Matic to put a smart contract on Polygon. Yeah. Well, obviously, when you do development of a rather large project, you want to test it first. And so you can run your own local uh, test network. You can run your own local node, they call it, your own local uh, device that, that runs all of the, the same uh, operations as, the, as a network. Or Polygon has worldwide distributed test networks that are set up as well. You can run a, a test network node. And within this test network, because it operates just like the production network, it requires Matic, it requires the native cryptocurrency to use it. Well, you can't buy test network Matic right. <laughs> on Coinbase uh, because it has no value. It's, it's, it, you need it to execute, to pay gas, to deploy smart contracts. Uh, and so uh, instead there's this, which really speaks to the community. It was another inspiring thing to find. Uh, you, you have to get it from someone. You got to get it from somewhere else. So you got to hit okay. someone up and get it. And so what people have done is they've established what are called faucets. And uh, with a faucet, you can go and you can submit your public key address, your public address uh, on the test network. So in this case, the Polygon Mumbai test network public key address for my wallet, yeah. I can put into the faucet and they will send you 10 Matic, or they will send, send you, you know, some amount of, of the currency. And then you have that in your wallet to, to do your, your smart contract testing and deployment and all that jazz. And then they only ask when you're done uh, that you uh, send that whatever currency out of your wallet back to the test, uh, back to the faucet when you're done. So a faucet will usually have their own public address as well. That way, when you're finished with your coding, you can 
push the water back up the faucet. <laughs> you, can, you can put that. It goes into the tank. It <laughs> goes into the tank. You can yeah. you can put it back into the tank. So well, technically, I mean, you're if you spend the matic, mm-hmm. it's going to another address when you do that. That's right. Yeah. Right. And and do you have access to that other address where the where it's going when you're testing, or is it that depends? Uh, so there's gas when you pay gas fees. Like no, that goes back to the network, and yeah. the network operates as the production network does, and so some amount is burned, and some amount is. Um, uh, is is given to the those that operate the test nodes, et cetera, et cetera, which I think a lot of those that operate test nodes also offer faucets because they're passively receiving the 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 gas from the the transactions. Yeah. Uh, if you're testing on the network, you're usually testing the if you're testing buying something, you're usually testing buying something from another smart contract that you know and understand and control. And so maybe you would have two wallets set up and then you can test buying. So you would send money to the second wallet to buy a service or buy something through the smart contract. And then you would have control of both. But I'm struggling to think, no, that's true. That's a good point. There there would be situations where you might want to use some kind of publicly available smart contract that does some function that you don't want to rewrite. And they have some kind of, uh, they have some kind of fee to fee to operate on top of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you'd be paying money into a wallet that you don't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't get it back, but okay. But and then you just go back to the Polygon. Polygon. Yeah. Polygon uses the same term gas as Ethereum. I don't know. Okay. All right. I'm assuming so. Seems to be Why not? Term. Right. right. Since it's a layer two, why not? Yeah. That's right. And uh, you told me uh, late last week um, mm-hmm. about the uh, news about the merge. Yes. That's very exciting. Very exciting. So the girly, the girly yeah. test network uh, migration has been completed. Uh, it went well enough where the developers for the Ethereum platform have they have established what the final block will be on the blockchain. So it's a chain of chain of blocks. So they yeah. de- determine what the final block uh, number will be. Uh, that block number is anticipated to um, to hit somewhere around the September fifteenth, September sixteenth, fourteenth to sixteenth timeframe, and uh, and what that means is we have a we have a date, we have a timeframe for when Ethereum is going to have their merge. They're going to merge the Ethereum two chain with the Ethereum one chain, and uh, fully roll over from a proof of work mechanism to a proof of stake mechanism. And proof of stake should help with speed of transactions, number of transactions within a certain amount of time. I suppose those are related and also use a lot less energy, I guess, in the way that they're securing the network. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot less. So the big things I think people are looking forward to are number one, a lot less energy. Uh, Number two, uh, the ability to... uh, uh, the ability to stake and receive rewards and be able to go in and out. And so through the whole cycle of testing Ethereum proof of stake, they have allowed people to act as stakers and act as validators. Um, and they've had this chain running alongside 
the, the proof of work chain where every transaction goes to both chains, people who are running a node, which is basically a computer, people who are running a computer to, uh, to maintain the, the blockchain, basically to keep the blockchain online and to uh, look at new transactions to, um, uh, to either bundle them up and include them or to validate that someone else that bundled them up and included them did it correctly and didn't interject any nefarious transactions. Uh, all of the people running those nodes have been able to stake uh, Ethereum on those nodes. And the reason that's important is uh, they get rewards as being validators for staking. And the rewards are fluctuating. I don't recall the, the exact mechanism of what determines the percentage, but I'll just say somewhere on average, four to 6% return in Ether. So uh, the Ether that you put up, you will earn more Ether on top of that. Now, anyone who put up Ether to stake, either directly, which requires that you put up 32 Ether, or indirectly uh, through pooling, uh, which allows you to kind of pool together with other people. If you don't have 32 Ether, so you've only got two Ether and you want to stake two Ether and earn the the uh, the return on, on two Ether, you can pool with other people via Rocket Pool or via Lido to uh, uh, to earn staking rewards, lower staking rewards, but earn staking rewards on your ETH. All of the people that have done that, their ether has been locked up. Like can't get it out, can't take it back. Like it's just sitting there earning, and there's no way to get it out. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who was at, uh, anyone who decided to do this uh, was made keenly aware that they would be staking until the actual launch the actual merge, the actual launch of, of ETH 2.0, the actual launch of proof of stake. And so after this launch, people who have been staking will finally be able to get their ETH unlocked. They'll be able to get their staked ETH, trade it back for regular ETH and be able to get all of their rewards, they actually get to realize their return. Uh, there's some delay and there's some mechanism that they, that's been developed, which would be another thing to dig into. I would add this to the spreadsheet of, um, of uh, unstaking unstaking ETH, ETH staking rewards and unstaking. Um, but there's uh, a way to, to finally get your, get your ETH out. Now, with the transition to proof of stake, not only do those that have been staking have an opportunity to get their money out, but my understanding, there's a lot of excitement around the ability for the... What is it? The not the legitimacy. It will become mathematically transparent the return on investment of staking ETH, and it will become more importantly transparent the value of block space. So, why is it important to understand the value of block space? The way I understand it is the volatility of price on Ether is related to this kind of, no, let me, let me frame this a different way. Ethereum is offering a service. It's offering block space. It's offering the ability to store information and to be able to store smart contracts on a globally transparent network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on this globally transparent network, Ethereum uh, allows 
the uh, the transparent indication that I have transferred something to you. I've transferred Ethereum, the currency. I've transferred uh, some other layer two currency like Matic. I've transferred uh, some uh, NFT asset. Uh, Ethereum allows us to do that. And so what is Ethereum in the business of? They're in the business of selling block space. They're in the business of selling transaction space on this globally transparent network. There are many reasons one would want to use this, uh, use this this public good that I, you know, some of which I've just listed. Uh, and Ethereum, as a service, is offering the ability to do that. All right. Yeah. There's been this this idea around Ether that it's a currency, and there's been this relation of Ether to fiat currency of of this cryptocurrency to U.S. dollars based upon. Uh, kind of public opinion and kind of what's being um, uh, talked about in the news and kind of what what people are are coalescing around the the price on the idea behind or what what individual what some individuals are really excited about with with the launch of proof of stake is the um, it will become much more transparent the interplay of those that stake, those that validate, and the service that's provided to allow for uh, predictable uh, return on investment on uh, on ether that is that is staked into the system and also a uh, uh, not a quantitative a uh, a calculable value for that block space. A lot of there within the community of bankless, as an example, there's this idea that right now block space is highly undervalued. So one ether right now is worth like two grand, almost two grand. As of today, Monday, August 15th, I haven't looked, but when I looked yesterday, it was like 1874 or 1900, something like that. All right. So based on how much something is being used, supply and demand, uh, there is a way to determine the real the real world value of of a of a service or a commodity based upon based upon usage. The um, the transition of proof of stake opens up this this uh, uh, mathematical consistency in being able to determine the value of a block, the value of the service, and also with that predictably determine the return that you get on on staking. With that, the hope is over the course of the next six to twelve months, the price of ether as it relates to fiat currency will stop being cryptocurrency volatile and will coalesce around something that's more uh, like oil volatile, yeah. like standard wheat right. <laughs> volatile. Right. Still like, volatile, but still not volatile. But but now within this band of volatility that's not sweeping, you know, fifty percent in in wild swings. Yeah. Uh, uh, on on an almost daily basis, uh, but back into the realm of of like oil prices, mm-hmm. and so so yeah, so that's really exciting too. That should get hopefully it it brings a lot more uh, uh, investment from the standpoint of of individuals looking to uh, to earn some return on their return on their their ether or return on their money. Uh, yep. And then also uh, with the with the lowering volatility of of ether as a cryptocurrency, hopefully it will 
increase the the visibility into Ethereum not as a currency, but as a as a, a utility or as a public service, right? right? It's like imagine you know you 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 put your money in a bank and you kind of assume that your lending of the bank money or putting money into their bank is paying for them to to run all the servers to to make sure that you can see your account balance, right? Um, well, Ethereum is hosting kind of a similar database, but for the entire world. And so, right. Um, right. and so, so yeah, that, that's a lot. Well, and, and up to this point, so much of the applications that have been able to, that have been built on top of Ethereum have been all about money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, right? It's the whole decentralized finance. That was kind of the first grouping of use cases that that came along. Um, so it, I think, reinforced the concept of, you know, Ethereum is similar to fiat currency. Yep, for but sure. now with NFTs and smart contracts and hopefully the blossoming of that into a variety of, um, you know, more real world functions like insurance and, and uh, uh, you know, contracts for buying and selling houses and things like that. Like that definitely pushes us into the realm of, of value yeah. um, and function over just, you know, you know, equivalent to dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Because That's I have exciting. some, I have some ETH that's been staked for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. coming soon. Coming soon. September. It's uh, uh, yeah. It's a month away. Four weeks away. So you recall the, the problem that I, I talked about, I ranted about on, on one uh, video as well uh, about the problem I was having setting up a, a corporate trading account as opposed yep. to a personal trading account. The difficulty of, of uh, there was some legal stuff that had to be set up. And then, and then I, I, banks wouldn't even allow me to create a checking account. Uh, you know, the whole the four or five banks said no. And I finally found one. And then the problem with, the actual cryptocurrency exchanges mm. having very lots of confusion about setting up a corporate account for me. Uh, at Coinbase never got back to me after a month of <laughs> me just having to wait. Then hopefully I would get an email kind of thing. Uh, and then the problem with, with Bittrex, like just getting confused because I already had a personal account and they were trying to verify me but they said you're already verified you already have an account you can't have a second account no but it's caught in that loop of mm -hmm. you know no this is a corporate account but i can't verify the account <laughs> well they finally verified the account oh um on friday and then i thought oh okay well i'll go ahead and just link my bank account and i'll finally get that money over there nope my <laughs> my bank doesn't support plaid <laughs> which oh. is the way that they link. Um, and so the other, the other option was wire transfer mm -hmm. and it was after two o'clock on a Friday and oh. was like, sorry, you missed the cutoff for wire transfers. So the bank called me today about the wire transfer. Supposedly it's going through and I'll actually have funded that account, but it was, it's been over a two month process. Right. Wow. And so, this and, and and we're not total newbies when it comes to to blockchain 
mm-hmm. and yeah. wallets and, you know, understanding all of these things. And yet we have so many, so many obstacles. I can see how most people are still not um, feeling comfortable about and, putting their money into this thing that, that is still so clunky. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if I, let's see how long it takes the money to unlock after it actually gets transferred over to the, the yeah. trading platform. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's on hold for 10 days for all I know. And yeah. I'm still going to miss more opportunity when it comes to ETH go up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's yeah. right. Cause within that two month window, you saw ETH hit a thousand and now it's already back up to 1900. Right. Right. So I could have doubled my money <clears throat> Yeah, and I, and I started that process a month before, before that, you know, that low was happening just cause I knew I saw it going down to a, a level that I thought now I want to put more money into the market. And, yeah. you know, I don't want, of course I don't want on the podcast for people to know how much money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like $8, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, no wonder the banks didn't want to set up an account. No, that's, that's not true. It was a sizable mm-hmm. chunk. And, um, uh, you would think that the banks would have been happy to like, Oh, he's going to have a lot of money coming in and out and we're going to earn transaction fees. And nope, no, no, for some reason, banks are, um, conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that saga is maybe close to being closed Sounds- here. I'll, Definitely tell you more on that on Wednesday. Yeah, it sounds much further along than it was on Friday. So when we talked That's on true. Friday, it was um, <clears throat> it was still a big question mark. Yeah, that's right. Bitrix was still like I hadn't I hadn't gotten back to me in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after <laughs> yeah. somebody went on vacation, basically is what happened, and they didn't they didn't give they didn't hand it over to some you know another person, so it was just yeah. caught in you know. Uh, support ticket limbo. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun game. Support ticket limbo. <laughs> limbo, limbo. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good progress. That's really good progress. Yeah, I got to go and do a wire transfer on Friday as well. So, given the the the, the price of euro right now, and given Brandy and I would like to go back to. Europe and the price of yen, Japanese yen. Given we want to go back to Japan, we felt uh, it was a good time to buy some euro and some yen and just hold it, just yeah. keep it there. And so, in order to do that, I had to wire transfer, which I got to say, I greatly prefer just going on my phone into Coinbase and sending to yeah. another address. Way easier and faster. Way easier and faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most banks like, my credit union, uh, if I want to do a, just a deposit of a check, mm-hmm. I can't, like my limit is $5,000 check mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on the credit union. Not, now, credit union is not who I went with for, <laughs> for what I'm trying to do with, with the cryptocurrency uh, mm-hmm. trading account. But um, air transfers online, small limit, so you have to actually yeah. go into the bank. That whole process physically it's just a waste of time. Show up. Yeah. 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 And then at the branch, do they actually have the right people? No. Sorry. No, I've had that happen too, it. where they, they messed up the wire transfer. And then I had to go and rattle their cage to get a refund because they wanted to charge me the wire transfer fee for the wire transfer that they messed up. 
So I had to go rattle their cage to to get a refund on the wire transfer fee. So Jeez. yeah. Yes. It was fine. They honored that and they actually refunded both. They they made the because they messed it up, they made it free. But still it's much you easier. Had to ask. <laughs> I had to ask. They didn't do it automatically. Yeah. Much much easier to do a, a digital transfer via via the blockchain.